there, and then would it make sense to take Carson off the field uh, like the Saints do with Drew Brees so that at least you have one more receiving option to give the defense uh, something to think about? Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. So why, so why haven't you done that? No, it's a great idea, something we'll look into. Go ahead, Zach. No. All right, so obviously this is a snippy-ass Doug Peterson, you know, in his little, like, okay, you know, reporter, don't tell me how to do my job. But you know what? It's a great question. It's an awesome question because obviously every team in the league now knows that when Jalen Hurts comes into the field, onto the field and Carson Wentz is split wide as a receiver, Jalen Hurts is going to run the ball. He's not going to throw it. Carson Wentz is not going out for a pass against the DB. He's not going to put himself in that position to be blocked, hit, and treated like a wideout. So, Doug, it's a little snippiness there. That little, how dare you question my play calling ability? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're damn right we question it. And last phone. Hey, good afternoon, Doug. There's a report on, on the NFL Network that uh, Carson has had sloppy practice habits that he's been allowed to per perpetuate. A, is that accurate? And B, how would you characterize the way Carson's playing in those times we don't see him? Well, first of all, I did not see the report. And secondly, uh, you guys are only out there for a short period of time. So I don't know. I don't know where the information is coming from. You know, pr practice is where, you know, um, we, we perfect our craft and, and, and we do the things with all of our players to, to, to detail their work and, and whether it be fundamentals in the individual periods uh, all the way through to even, you know, for me sometimes even stopping practice and repeating a play because we've, we've made a mistake. So uh, I don't understand where that's coming from. Um, and we're just going to continue to coach and, and make sure we hold everybody accountable. Yeah, so that was a report that, that came out, I believe, uh, Monday morning, I want to say, or maybe Sunday night. Uh, and that, you know, <laughs> I, why not? Why is that not such a hard, why is that not such a hard thing to believe that he has sloppy practice habits? His mechanics on the field these days, over the last year and a half, have been awful. Absolutely awful. Now, I got it. Practice is just that. Practice. You, you, you might try some things that, you, that you're working on. You might try to throw a different way that you're, you know, you're feeling yourself out for. I got all that. You know, to say practice is sloppy, you got to be probably be more um, specific on what you mean because that could be by design. That could be, hey, Carson, run the Bearcat wedge annexation of Puerto Rico play from the shotgun today you know this is a play we've been working on for five years and we're you know not quite ready or we don't quite know when we want to debut it so i think that that report needs to be a little bit more specific but to just look at that from the from that question as the question and to see the kind of play that carson Wentz does on the field and how he's mechanically just just not sound yeah it's a very valid question I had less and then Ruben. Hey, Doc, uh, just to follow up on that, though, uh, what do you think of Carson's practice habits? Are they sloppy? No. Okay. Uh, you had a chance to look at the 0 for 9 third downs 
Uh, I assume. What did you see there? What's what's not happening? Well, the first third and one, um, I took a shot. Uh, I was taking a shot down the field based on film study, and and uh, we were up around midfield, and it's a great opportunity right there to uh, capitalize. And then and then we just missed the throw to to Dallas on on that one. Uh, early later on, then we then we made the fourth down. Obviously, we converted the fourth down. We kept the drive alive. The next one was like a third and three. Uh, we failed. We failed to execute the the play. Um, it's a it's a simple little pick route that 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 we work in practice. It's something that, that we've got to continue to drill. It was between Travis and Jalen, and and we just got to we just failed to execute right there. And then James Bradbury, number twenty four, made a made a heck of a play on the on the on that play. Um, and then then the other ones, we we kind of caught ourselves in some more third and long situations, and you know we we whether it be by penalty or uh, lack of execution on first and second down, um, kept us, uh, failed to execute in protection, um, whatever it might be, um, kept us from uh, executing executing those plays. And then, of course, at the end of the game, when we were, you know, uh, having to throw the ball more, um, definitely longer, longer yardage situations that, uh, you know, we didn't overcome. Ruben and then Rob. Hey Doug, uh, what is your overall assessment of Jalen Hurts and and what he's given you? Um, seems to be a ball security issue. Is that a concern with you? And um, you know, how do you see his role evolving here? Ball security. What do you mean? Well, there's been a couple fumbles. Just uh, when he's were been they, on the field. Were they uh, his fumbles or were they low snaps? Well, I'm not talking about. Yeah, I'm just talking about. I mean, he's he's. Well, I mean, what are they? I mean, are they him dropping the ball, or is it is it the center quarterback exchange? I mean, I mean, you say he fumbles the ball. I want to know specifically from your perspective what it is. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not watching the film. I'm not calling the play. So you're watching, the, you're watching the game. You're watching I mean, the game. So obviously, you're not watching the game. There's been three balls that have been on the ground that he's had in his hand. So, I mean, if if there's not an issue there, you know. Tell me the that. issue. The issue is we have to do better with the with the center snap. So again, here's Doug Peterson attacking a reporter for pointing out a very obvious situation and a deficiency on the football team. Now, Jalen Hurts. Okay, uh, let's. Well, first of all, let's talk about the 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 the, yeah, the situation there about the ball on the ground from the snap. Jason Kelsey had a horrible game on Sunday. Um, I've never really actually ever remember seeing a game so poorly played by a center before. Uh, his snaps were consistently low. His shotgun snaps were horrible. There were some exchange problems all day long with Carson. Um, and as far as Jalen Hurts goes, though, there have been uh, some situations over the past three weeks where uh, Jalen has has had a bad snap. Now, whether that is from a, an exchange point uh, with the center or if it's Jalen himself, but again, the snippiness of Doug Peterson to come on and be like, well, you're not watching the game. How can you be the one? You know, what are you talking about? Uh, I need to know. Have they been, uh, you know, center exchanges or fumbles? What do you mean? What 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 fumble issues? This is what, you know, maybe the venom that Doug is showing towards the media needs to be directed in the locker room. I don't know. Just saying. Right. I mean, the, the, the ones you're well, I think the ones that you're alluding to. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I've talked to, I've talked to Kelsey about this before and, and he's had a little history and, and he knows it and he, listen, he's a pro and he's going to get a fix, but we got to get that center quarterback exchange, um, dialed in. 
and and a couple of those were low and and um, you know those are those are hard to uh, to handle. So I wouldn't put them all on Jalen. No. Go ahead, Ross. And then overall assessment of what he's what he's given you. I think uh, early on um, we've been very explosive with him. Um, gosh, I think we were close to uh, eleven or twelve yards per uh, attempt when he was in the game, something like that. Uh, I would say here recently, you know, defenses uh, are playing him a little bit differently. They've had chances to uh, to scout him, and um, you know, I think it goes back to Jeff's question, where sure we could probably do a little bit more with him. Go ahead, Rob, and then John. Hey, Doug, there was such an emphasis on Carson and protecting the ball. And yesterday he came out, protected the ball, didn't really uh, take any big time risks. And he managed the game very well. Is there a do you think that could possibly take away, though, from his ability to create plays, his focus on wanting to protect the ball, maybe affecting his ability to create plays, extending plays, taking shots? And or was that part of maybe the defense? yesterday and what the defense was giving him. Yeah, Rob, I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot packed into that question. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the, the way the giants, their structure of defense is they're going to try to keep everything in front of them. They don't allow, uh, quite honestly, a lot of down the field throws or, or, or receivers to get down the field, past the safeties, past the corners. They, they really do a great job of keeping everything in front. And then, on top of that, if that's the case, then we know that the short to intermediate throw uh, is, is going to be where you're going to have to live, you know, for four quarters. And, and I thought Carson did a nice job there. Um, and, and and we even left plays on the field. I mean, look, it, it goes back to some of the protection issues I've mentioned. It goes back to some of our, you know, lack of execution uh, with, with, with some of the guys, you know, uh, in, in those third down situations where we could have stayed on the field and, and made some of those plays. But um, I, I thought for the most part, you know, there were a couple throws that were high early in the game from him. But as the game wore on, uh, he settled in. He made he, he stood in there, uh, made a couple nice throws to Rich Rod. Um, just thinking of some things offhand. But, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's a little combination of both. You know, and, and each week becomes a little bit different. And then – and then, and then some of it falls on me, too, as a play caller, right, to be able to call some of the – like, for instance, the first third and one, I called a shot play, you know, to take advantage of, of Hightower's speed down the field. Def, defense gave us a little pre different presentation. We had to go somewhere else with the ball, and, and we just we just missed. So um, those are all things that are fixable and correctable, and, and uh, we get another opportunity this week. So, you know, this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation, right? You know, we, we Doug went through the whole small ball Doug thing earlier this year when he played for the tie against Cincinnati, right? People, you know, jumped on all over him for not being aggressive, right? Uh, and now they're jumping on him for not for being too aggressive. Um, you know, I've always maintained that I I I, I appreciate the aggressiveness of a head coach and a player. I, I really do. Uh, and part of Carson Wentz's, um, I think prior to the ACL injury in 17, part of what made Carson Wentz a special quarterback was his ability to extend plays. And I think what you're seeing now in 2020 is a quarterback that has lost about a half step due to the injury, the ACL, and then the back injury in 18. Um, and I think that he is about, with that loss of a half a step, he's about a millisecond 
behind on making his decisions. And that millisecond is what's causing him uh, so many issues with turnovers this year. I, I honestly do. Uh, because the Carson Wentz in 2017 um, extended plays, took his shots, fired the ball into those tight windows, but he did it um, He did it being a lot more mobile than he has been. So I've always been kind of on the fence with that as well. You know, is it is it mind-numbing for me to watch Carson fumble and throw interceptions? Absolutely. But, <clears throat> you know, the 2017 Carson Wentz was – was probably 10 times or maybe even 100 times more aggressive than the 2020 Carson Wentz is. But that was, you know, a different physical quarterback back then. So as far as Doug goes, you know, listen, I'm never going to sit here and tell Doug that he's not, that he's being too aggressive. Uh, do I feel at certain times, though, that he chases things? Yeah. Uh, the two-point conversion, the second one that I mentioned in this game, I meant really there was no sense in that, you know. Take the point. And move on. So that's a real loaded question. And that's a loaded question for Doug. It's a loaded question, and he knows it, too. Go ahead, John, and then Bo. Uh, hey, Doug. Uh, now that you've seen the film, wanted to talk to you about that fourth and ten play, uh, which is obviously going to be difficult to convert in any circumstance. But as a former quarterback, can you kind of take me through that? You mentioned Bradbury before, what type of player he is, what kind of year he has. Do you – sort of try to focus on where 24 is or is that too much of a bang bang thing in that type of situation no no we we, we knew where he was at and we knew we knew kind of going in uh what his what his plan would be he, he typically matches you know the top receiver uh with any opponent uh we thought going in that, that he might you know go with travis a little bit and, and he was there but we moved travis around enough to to kind of keep him you know um I guess guessing a little bit. And then on that particular play, you know, they, they played a two deep man coverage. Carson, you know, saw the, the one-on-one -on -one outside. I, I do know that, that Carson would probably want to have that throw back uh, a little bit, probably make a little different throw in that situation. Um, we had, you know, we had some opportunities, uh, you know, on that particular play to, uh, to, to go other places and um, you know, I think that's a play we would all we'd all want back. Go ahead, Bo, and then Daniel. Doug, I think there's uh, sort of a fascination with with Jordan Mailata from from the fan base, um, and if you you're curious why, if uh, if you knew that say Amalo and Herbig were not going to be out, did you consider playing uh, Mailata at left tackle and Peters at guard? No. Why not? Um, because because we really felt like that. Uh, um, Jason Peters has settled in over there at left tackle. He's done a nice job for us. He actually played really well yesterday. Uh, was a lot more explosive coming off the ball, um, even in previous weeks. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of addressed this, I think, either last week or whenever it was with Mulata, but um, we just felt this was the best, uh, you know, best five going into this game. Go ahead, Daniel, and then Mike Tech. Hey, Doug, uh, you've talked about the, the team's frustration uh, and your own frustration. How do you make sure that that gets channeled into a positive um, instead of something that, you know, becomes a negative? What, what do you do as a coach, you know, with your players in that situation? Well, the number one thing is when we get together, I, I address it again with the team, right? And, and, and I bring it, 
uh, I bring it to the forefront. I, I, I've, I kind of, you know, um, I guess as I lead the team, you know, I want to make sure that they understand where I come from as, as the head coach. I also got to make sure that, that we understand how we prepare during the week and, and how we practice during the week. And, and I want the leadership of the team to understand that and, and, and really embrace and rally around each other. And, and quite honestly, um, what I've been, you know, I guess pleased about with the guys is, is in situations like this, they've always rallied. And, uh, you know, as I, as I alluded to earlier uh, in this press conference, the guys are mad, the guys are upset and they can really channel that into, into a positive, right? They can, they can feed on that and, and sort of use that as momentum uh, going into the next, next ball game, or at least these next, you know, seven games that we have remaining. And, and there's still there's a lot of pride. Listen, a lot of pride in that locker room, coaches and players, and, and we'll get it fixed. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely been a work in progress. We're slowly getting some guys back healthy, uh, which uh, you know has definitely been an, also an issue for us. You know, first half of the season, and and I think that's a positive too that we can lean on. We have time for two more, so we'll wrap it up with Mike and then Jamie. Doug, it seemed like you made a concerted effort to stick with the run a little bit longer than you typically would when you're trailing. Um, you were close to 50, what? 50. All right. So getting back to the Jordan Mylotta, Jason Peters thing. All right. So here, here's the deal. So Jason Peters was activated to be the left guard and Jordan Mylotta was sit, was sat. right now. Jordan Mylotta has been one of the positive stories coming out of the season for the Eagles. You know, a man that three years ago was just learning how to play NFL football drafted by the Eagles in like the seventh round. And then uh, this past summer was, you know, people were, were, were talking like, well, you know, uh, you know, at what point do we cut our losses on this thing? Uh, he doesn't seem to be getting it. Uh, he's not ready for the field yet. And then due to injury, he was pressed into service and played pretty well. Well, he sat against the Giants because Jason Peters played left tackle, who was coming back from an injury himself. This is where the mystery of this football team continues to get deep. Why not move Jason Peters to guard? He's an all-pro, future Hall of Famer, who can play uh, – I mean, you imagine he can play any position on the field, on that line, on that line. <laughs> okay? Why? Why is he not? Why not use two assets instead of one asset? Again, this is where the mystery about who's really pulling the strings with the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020 begins to kind of show. It, you, you stuck what? with the run. Oh, yeah, no. oh the run. The run. Oh, oh, you, yeah, yeah. you said the run. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, you, so you stuck with the run more than you typically would, at least this I'm season. I'm honored. I'm touched. So during the bye week, uh, what did you learn about from self-scouting with the run game and, and, and how it could maybe uh, be effective if you stuck with it moving forward? You know, I, I think one of the things we learned that, that uh, we were a lot – have been a lot more effective in our, in our 11, you know, personnel grouping or our 12 personnel. 12 has kind of been a mixed bag for us. We, we either going to get base defense or we're going to get nickel defense. And, and it's been a little bit of a mix. Uh, the Giants gave us a little more base defense as the, as the, the game wore on, but we're a little bit better in our, our 11 personnel uh, on offense where we can, we can kind of spread guys out. And, and then that's, that too becomes important because, you know, we can take advantage of the zone read a little bit better in those situations would have been, which have been, um, you know, helpful for us. Some of the advantage throws that you're seeing Carson make on the perimeter, you know, to, to Greg Ward or the guys, 
And, and so th those were all things that we studied during the, uh, during the buy and, and um, you know, and then each week, you know, we try to put our, uh, you know, best set of plays uh, in the run game together uh, to, um, you know, to attack the front that we're going to see. Go ahead, Jamie. I appreciate the compliment though. All right. Again, more tongue in cheek from Doug Peterson uh, making, you know, I don't understand why, as a head coach, you would make fun of the fact that – or you would try to, like, throw it back in the media's face of your inability to run the football. Uh, you know, that has been one of the things that Doug Peterson has been under fire for pretty much since he's been here. Well, maybe with the exception of the 17th season. Uh, the Eagles are not a very balanced pass-run team. They're not. But you know what? In the Andy Reid coaching tree, that's to be expected. You know, uh, passing is, is, is a – big part of the West Coast offense under Andy Reid, under where Doug Peterson learned how to be a head coach. So, uh, but again, a little tongue-in-cheek, the let's have some fun and be like, oh, you know, thanks for the compliment. You're talking about the run game. You know, I, I could do without that when you're 3-5-1. and one. I honestly could do without that. Doug, um, you talked a lot since last night about anger and how angry you are and how angry the players are. At what point does anger turn into action? At what point do you need to look at making a personnel change on the field or, you know, mixing things up or mixing things up on the sideline or, or in the coach's office? At what point does anger turn into action? Well, I, I listen, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, as soon as I get off of this call, I go into action and I go into action towards the Browns and we start putting a game plan together for the Browns. And, and you know, I, I don't want to – I don't want to get in a situation where it becomes a knee-jerk reaction for me or for the team. I've got to sit back and I do have to evaluate everything. And, and listen, you know, we're still sitting here uh, in a really good place in the NFC East. I know it doesn't look pretty. We understand that, but there's still a lot of ball ahead of us. And there's still, uh, I, I think some a great opportunity for this football team moving forward. And, and that's the motivation. And, and that's the, um, I think that's the drive that, that each of one of us have. I know that's the drive that I have, you know, moving forward. And, and as I said earlier, that's where the channeled aggression is going to go. It's going to go into the team and into, into this week and obviously the next, next several, several games. So um, I, I just don't want to, I'll take a look at things. And, and if, if there's a chance to make a personnel change or, you know, um, Whatever it might be, um, I'll take a look at that. But but uh, I just don't want to make a change to change, right? I, there's got to be a reason for the change. And um, I just know that that uh, definitely starts with me uh, and my messaging with the team, with the coaches, and uh, getting everybody on board on the same page. Nobody's pointing fingers. We're all pulling, you know, the rope in the same direction. And, and um, that's what we're going to do. All right. So – Okay, then that 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 courtesy or that clip courtesy of PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So, Doug, basically, you know, again, <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to blame Doug Peterson about knee-jerk reactions to what's going on with this team right now. I, I really don't. Um, and, again, uh, we're, I'm not in a locker room. I don't know what's really going on. Uh, but the pulling the rope in the same direction and – everyone working their butts off and putting their hard hats on all that nonsense. Can you, you can save that. You know what I mean? Uh, you can save that because we're not seeing it on the field. All right. Uh, when this team battles their gamers, when they don't battle 
well, they lose to the Giants by 10. So that will pretty much do it. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I'm, am I frustrated? I'm, I'm frustrated because I've always told you that I'm an Eagle fan. And even though I believed from the very beginning of this season that this was a doomed campaign, and I fully expect this thing to bottom out over the next five weeks, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the remaining schedule on Sunday when I sit down with Kyle and we talk yeah, Eagles-Browns on our pregame show. I'm still an Eagle fan. And I I want to um, – I always want to support my team. But anyway, a uh, lot going on in the world of Philly sports last night. The Sixers uh, executed the draft. Uh, they also pulled off a couple great trades. Um we were able to move Al Horford off this team to Oklahoma City, and uh, the Thunder took him. Uh, we got uh, Danny Green back, and then we also sent um, Josh Richardson to the Dallas Mavericks um, in exchange for Seth Curry. Not Steph Curry, but Seth Curry. So Daryl Morey already making some moves. Um, I'm going to sit down with Anthony Foley here in the next couple weeks, and we're going to we're going to dissect all that. Uh, but there's some definite positive movement from the Sixers. Uh, and, and it's amazing they were able to get rid of Al Horford's contract. Absolutely amazing. I give uh, props and kudos to Daryl Morey for that. Uh, but, again, we'll talk more Sixers here later on. Um, again, uh, the Eagles uh, this Sunday, they will be in Cleveland uh, to play a very, very, very much improved Browns team uh, who are trending definitely in the right direction. So um, be sure to join me on the uh, the Talking Philly Sports with Matty B Eagle pregame show on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning. I'll I'll have Kyle in on. Kyle will be on with me. We'll we'll, we'll talk this game. Uh, we'll go over some of the things that happened this week in ref in response to this game, and we'll break down the Cleveland game uh, and go forward from there. So that's gonna do it for me, everybody. Uh, take care. Uh, hang in there. And as Sonny and Cher once said.
Oh, 